Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. The big story today, um, you heard it mentioned in the news around Ukrainian refugees and the fact that government ministers are going to meet today as this particular uh, accommodation crisis intensifies. Because over the weekend, about 40 people from Ukraine were told that there was no spaces available for them uh, within state accommodation. And there's been a lot of reaction to that from from all quarters. But I just wanted, I suppose, to to chat to people, to chat to those affected. Uh, Anastasia is with us on the line. Um, Anastasia, you, you are... Ukrainian living in Ireland. Um, what was your reaction to this news when you heard it over the weekend? Hi. Um, and yeah, I guess the news started coming in early enough before the weekend. And I have to say it's quite disheartening. Like I've been living in Ireland for quite some time. So I'm aware of the accommodation crisis. I'm aware of people's reactions. But it's just really disheartening because I feel like sometimes we forget that Ukrainians aren't coming here on a holiday, you know. And from some of the stories I've read, these are people coming from hotspots where non-stop shellings, there's electricity outages, no heat, especially before winter. It's, it's just really disheartening to hear that they're coming here for refuge, for safety, and it's like they can't go back home and they can't come here. And it's just a bit of a hopeless situation. Have you been talking to people affected, Anastasia? I've been talking to people affected or I've been talking to just Ukrainian communities that I'm a part of. And as much as we'd love to all help, already around, I think, 58,000 Ukrainians have arrived into Ireland. And they've been accommodated which is great. But the thing is that the war is still not over. There may still be more refugees coming. And if they're being turned away now, especially before the harsh winter starts, it's, it's just sounding like people are losing a bit of hope. They're coming here as their last chance. They're seeing Ireland as a place where they'll be completely safe as it's a neutral country. They've heard how well people have treated Ukrainians here and now they don't know whether they have to turn back. If they have to turn back, where do they go? And it's just up in the air really. When you're talking um, to people in recent months, Anastasia, refugees who've who've come over and have now been resettled in Ireland, um, what's their experience of Ireland? Like, is it a welcoming place to come to? Yeah, no. Overall, the entire feedback I've gotten from them is that they're extremely happy. And, of course, the accommodation has been the only thing that was either driving them to look for other options or to really doubt how long they can stay here. My own family had to go back to Ukraine for a certain time because of my own accommodation issues. But overall, people were extremely happy with the way they were treated. And... From what I was hearing, they were even thinking about suggestions, offering themselves for work. So instead of being paid, they're like, just give us a bed, something, somewhere, a roof over our head. So, yeah, that's kind of the overall reaction mm-hmm. so far. Um, just looking at it, I suppose, from your own perspective, um, and I know you've been you've been talking to and, and helping people in the communities, Um what more do you think could be done? Because I was listening to the Ukrainian ambassador over the weekend, you know, talking about the the lack of accommodation being un- unacceptable. Um, mm. What more do you think could be done? Now, to be fair, I have been living in Ireland for quite some time and I'm aware that the accommodation crisis is hitting everyone. There's only so much Ireland can do and I feel like they have been doing a lot. The only thing that we could do, I mean, now that the tourist season is technically over let's just say or semi-over 
perhaps the government could come into more agreements with more hotels or hostels. Maybe then the hostels could open up spaces because, again, they're not looking for five-star accommodation. They're not looking for, you know, extreme luxuries, just a simple bed, a simple room. You know, families are willing to live, you know, with in one room to share, offer themselves for work. I think that's the way we could move forward because, again, even if you drive around Dublin, just a little bit towards the Phoenix Park Road, you'll see a lot of apartment buildings and old buildings that could be used as accommodation. They're not really being looked after or nothing's really being done with them, you know. So something that could be done is perhaps either renovating. Of course, they'll cost Mm -hmm. money, they'll take time. But even a simple maybe look at these buildings, you know, rather than have them stand vacant, you know, do something in that sense. They'll either come into more agreements with hotels and hostels. There's many of them across the country that would maybe be willing to have a few rooms, willing to house Ukrainians instead of be willing to work, things like that. Because, again, we have to be aware that Ireland can't accommodate everyone, and it'd be selfish to ask them to do so Mm. when there's already an accommodation crisis for students, homelessness, even families being, you know, couch surfing. And I think just because I have that experience, I'm painfully aware of how this is affecting the people of Mm. Ireland as well. They're trying to help, but there's only so much you can do. I think the most realistic side would be looking at what can hotels and hostels do? Can the government look into more agreements? Uh, maybe temporary couple of months while it's the winter months, while tourism isn't as high, something like that. What's the situation with your own friends and family at the moment, Anastasia, who are here? Um, So at one point, I know that in my family, I had evacuated my grandmothers. I had evacuated my aunt, my little cousins. We were all living in my two-bedroom apartment. There's around seven of us. So it was quite crazy, you know, and that's what drove them to move back originally. And now some of them are coming back either with host families or we're trying to make do what we can. I know that other Ukrainians in the community, uh, my friends, they have a three-bedroom apartment. They had 12 people staying there, which, again, this is a huge kind of concern for overcrowding, but people are doing what they can. So you're looking at the moment then, are you, for for accommodation for your, your own extended family? I've been looking since March, so that's why I am very painfully aware of, you know, you'll go onto Daft and you're up against 1,000 people. Another concern of mine, specifically for Ukrainians, when they're put in this desperate situation, they go onto Facebook groups or they go onto Daft and maybe stumble upon a shady ad. And, you know, for us, we'd see, okay, yeah, this is a bit dodged. But for them, they'd be so desperate that they're like, okay, sure, you know, they're really vulnerable to being scammed, especially the people that just came over. I did hear that many of them don't have any English, which is very, very terrifying. Okay. Stay with us, Anastasia. Um, Anatoly from the Ukrainian Action Ireland group is is with us here in the programme today. Anatoly, you've been listening to Anastasia there and her suggestions around, you know, looking at hotel and and hostel accommodation. I see one of the other ideas that's been mooted today is um, for government ministers to look at second homes or holiday homes and to perhaps offer extra payment to owners if they make those properties available. Um, is that the best case solution? How are you doing? Um, thanks for having me on. Well, uh, first of all, before answering that, I'd like to point out that today marks eight months since Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. 
And that is quite a milestone, uh, you know, that we've been living through this madness for the last eight months, all of us collectively. Um, to answer your question, then, uh, should the government, do I approve of that approach? Uh, I would support any approach that is being uh, creative and different to what has been done so far, because, you know, there's been an incredible response at all levels of governments and communities throughout Ireland. However, we need a change of approach because and an increase in intensity because we can see that the current approach is simply not working. It's simply not enough to just book out all of the uh, hotels or all of the Airbnbs and hostels to accommodate refugees. That mm-hmm. is simply not working, not delivering enough beds, enough properties. So we would like to see the things and the ideas that have been flouted or you know, have been proposed over the last few months, such things as, you know, like, for example, Stacia even said that, identifying more vacant buildings and, you know, retrofitting them to house refugees and incentivizing people to make those space available for such purposes. You know, second thing would be the modular homes. But, you know, where are we at with the modular homes and the provision of modular homes across Ireland? And then lastly, the pledges from hosts to accommodate refugees. You know, for example, Red Cross have inserted themselves into the society to, to do that, and there have been 20,000 pledges. We would like to see more of those materialise, and we wouldn't like to see the government abandon the idea and, you know, other abandon the idea of acting on those pledges, chasing them, and getting the getting those pledges activated and getting the refugees housed in those sort of I know that there's been a you know huge, generous offering um, from the Irish public as well. You know, Anatoly people offering there people been, yeah, yeah. P- pledging accommodation and, and I was listening to Liam O'Dwyer from the Red Cross earlier you know when he said that like they're still at the minute trying to work through pledges um, but many were just proven to be I- impractical. Is financial assistance maybe something that needs to be looked at here again because I know 100% 100% yeah. because at the moment it's uh, 100 euros being offered to house a family and you know there are strings attached uh, the host family need to agree to host a Ukrainian family for at least six months but when we think about the number of people people that will be coming into a household and 400 euro uh, you know with the current crisis and the cost of living it it is nothing really you know that would need to be upped significantly I would say and even if it was it would still be, I feel, a saving on how much the government would be paying for hotel beds somewhere to house mm-hmm. the refugees. So what? So so if they were to increase the the financial payment to families, that their the thought is or the thinking is there might be more accommodation pledged. If that's exactly. the case, well, if yeah. you think about it, yeah. right? There, there's homeowners all across Ireland at the moment, right, who are experiencing an increase in the cost of living, right? So if you if you know, it, it used to be not saying that it should be the case, but it used to be normal in Ireland to to accept lodging and you know to accept people but if you think about it like I said like we we have said here on the show just now that there's been an enormous amount of properties being Mm -hmm. offered so it might be the case that you know and some of them have been identified as uh, you know unsuitable so it might be the case that we need to first of all speed up the you know the speed at which these properties are looked at and secondly maybe slightly loosen the requirements that would deem those suitable or unsuitable and lastly you know offer an increase in payment and that would incentivize more people to take on the Ukrainian families and that would solve the issue of helping the households that are need and then you know uh, providing uh, an access to a bigger you know larger amount of accommodation that can be offered to refugees and it would help with integration as well we have seen some incredible success stories where ukrainian families have been housed with host families and how much it's helped them integrate Mm. into our society and you know
know, just get used to living in Ireland overall. Yeah, because it's interesting, Anatoly, to, to hear you say that. You know, I've been just been looking at some of the messages coming into us here in the text line today. And one of the points that's often made in this conversation uh, and people very, very aware, like very aware of the need um, and just the humanitarian effort to, to, to welcome and, and, and to help and to support uh, people moving um, into Ireland or, or fleeing and coming to Ireland. But uh, I suppose a lot of people talking about, you know, the, the, the impact that this has on tourist areas in, in some parts of the country mm-hmm. where, you know, where quite, I would say, a significant amount of the tourist offering um, mm-hmm. is now being used for Ukrainian refugees. And it's something that has, yep. you know, often struck me, but like, wh- why not go back to, as you say, where you've got a lodger's type or, a, you know, a digs type situation, a lot of people yep. living in houses with empty rooms in them. And, and as you say, it would be a cheaper option, you'd imagine, to just... Offer you, you would imagine that, right? You would imagine that because some of the, you know, some of the hotels that have been used, in my experience, around Dublin and around other areas of the country were quite high end. So, you know, as a, as a, you know, as a, as a person, as a, you know, as a person there, you've got to wonder what the rate would be for those rooms, and you know, like. You know, it would be, uh, I, w- I would imagine, quite a help if you were to, you know, because there could be families that have a spare room and they're struggling to maybe, you know, to with their bills now and with the financial pressures. And if they were to take in, for example, a single mother with a child uh, to that room with a government uh, payment, and that would help both families in that situation. Mm. Um, from talking to uh, refugees and people who've come to Ireland in the last eight months, Anatoly, like what's been their experience? Do, do, do they fi- like do people find Ireland a welcoming place? Is it a good place to come? Uh, the experiences vary, right? Depending on the, I suppose, people's accommodation circumstances. But overall, there's been an overwhelming, you know, response of gratitude from the Ukrainian refugees to the Irish community. For example, a few months ago, we did a survey of the refugees and we left a blank field for them to fill in with any messages they wanted and about 99% of them just wrote messages of gratitude to the Irish community to how they've been welcomed to how they've been helped so far so overwhelmingly all of the Ukrainian refugees feel that they've been welcomed they've been helped and they they really don't know how to repay the gratitude that they've been receiving so far. Andrew is with us as well on the line in Cork. Andrew you've been listening uh, to both uh, Anastasia and Anatoly there I mean, the government are, are looking at various different options now that meeting's happening later on today. But what's your suggestion or what do you think could be done? Well, <clears throat> to concur with Anastasia and, and Anatolia, uh, it has to be a change of, of approach. It has to be an adaptability to the circumstances. And what I would be saying, look, do think outside the box. There is a great goodwill out there. There's a lot of people who uh, want to support. There's a lot of charities who, who want to give their properties to be upgraded to take families. There's, and there's a lot of people like myself and, and my family who had been privileged to host a family and, 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 and to have that adaptability, you know, in the process so that, that uh, it, it's a quick turnaround, that when the vacancy is there, that when the intent is there for toast, that that happens quickly. Um, and that that isn't fully the case, uh, and that's the problem. It seems to be bureaucratically tied up in, in either eligibility or rules or, or, or criteria that really isn't, isn't, I think, isn't practical in the emergency that we're ha- having to deal with. And in, in what way, just people making an offering of accommodation and either too small or not separate bathrooms or this kind of thing? Well, I'm aware of. I mean, I'm aware. I'm in Cork. I'm aware that there's a charity in in Mitchellstown that uh, it's an old charity, it's a couple of hundred years old, and it has houses, 
uh, and eight looked for funding for uh, for six chalets that would 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 cater for ten families for funding for a grant from the Community Foundation of All, and that was turned down. Uh, uh, Basically, on criteria, I'm aware of a, of an old school in uh, in West Cork that is disused, but it was vacant just uh, you could say 18 months, and that was offered to be uh, turned into uh, accommodation to host families and going forward, and that was also turned down by the authorities. So that's kind of okay. to me it, it, it isn't is isn't isn't being realistic in where we are. You know, it's it's still it's it's it's. It's not. It's not the change of approach that the previous speakers were saying. Yeah. And what we found, like Pastor Andre, we when it happened, uh, when the crisis happened, we offered. It was a slow process to get into the Red Cross. Uh, it took a lot of long time before we. Uh, um, I think it was February, March when we offered. We we were had a wonderful family came with us. On the, and 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 joined our household and became part of our family at, at the start of May. They now have left. They they've been with us for five months because they wanted a bigger accommodation, a mother and a child, and we have a vacant room. And for, for the last week and a half, maybe two weeks, I've been trying to contact contacting the Red Cross, sending them an email and telephone, saying, "Look, there's a vacancy now. Again, there's a turnover. This room was acceptable. It was processed. We were guarded with it." But it's um, it's just not happening, yeah. you know. That that's that, and that's not criticism of the Red Cross. No, I think no, the Red I Cross know. is fantastic. I, yeah, I think they do wonderful things, and I think everyone's doing the best. But please, just uh, you know, uh, there's an awful lot of goodwill, and when when goodwill is isn't responded to, it dries up. That's well, my it kind it of it, it, it does seem a bit silly that if, like if you you've gone through the pro, you made the pledge initially, you, you've hosted yeah, a, family. a family. How long were the family yeah. with you? Five months and they were just fantastic. Okay, they were, and they, they moved. Were part of our family. They, they moved down. They, they? they moved to a, a narrow apartment in, in my town because the, the the mother's hoping to get her mother over. So because we had only a, a bedroom and an adjoining toilet, a small a small room in a, in, a, in an old house, uh, and it was uh, approved by the Red Cross mm. for uh, accommodation. And they moved out. And as soon as that was happening, I was on the phone to the Red Cross to, now, it's to free. finding them. Yeah, free, and then nothing happened, and then I sent them an email as well, uh, saying that. But, but you're already made, like you, you know what I mean. You're you're there. You've been approved. You're you, like you, yeah. you could nearly take We've somebody this evening. Process. Yeah, we would. I mean, I mean, I mean, we'd hope to have a family that would be just as one wonderful as the family we had. Yeah. Uh, and and it is a Bureaucracy. great privilege. It's great. Uh, and, and when we when we offered it, and not trying to boast, we did because it's in our heart to do something, you mm. know, to offer because of the history of Ireland and, and the Irish experience in the past of people gave homes to them when they saw solace from famine times and other periods. So it's 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 been that. But I I would ask the authorities, just change the approach. Just think yeah. outside the box in some cases, you know. Well, do, do, and, and do a, sorry, no, no, no. Go on. I was just wanted to ask Anatoly just finally on that. Like, is that, I mean, has that been the experience of other host families similar to Andrew? <laughs> A hundred percent. Like, for example, we've, uh, okay. as an organisation, partnered with the Helping Irish Hosts, which is an organisation that has sprung up, you know, by out of you know Irish people who were frustrated with the experience of trying to get their accommodation pledges out there and trying to bring the 
the, the Ukrainian refugees, uh, you know, out of the hotels, out of anywhere to stay with the Irish host because nothing was being done with those pledges. So we believe that this is an issue of resourcing. There needs to be resources, whether it be with the Red Cross or government or anybody else, to turn around those offers quicker, to check those quicker. So it's about a change of intensity, which is clearly needed right now to get those uh, pledges and accommodation offers. Like, for example, Andrew from Cork, like, you know, why, why hasn't he been contacted, mm, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's this definitely, it's definitely a resources issue to get those offers of accommodation turned around because, like I said, there's been an incredible outpouring of support from Irish uh, public there for the Ukrainian refugees. Anatoly from the Ukrainian Action Ireland. Anastasia as well, thanks for your time here in the programme. And Andrew, uh, thanks to you as well for getting in touch with us on the programme. Actually, a couple of more messages coming in, very similar to uh, to Andrew's point there. This texture as well. I-, I know of at least three families in very similar situation to Andrew there in Cork who've all registered to host and heard nothing yet to date. Keep your stories coming into us 53106 we are going to stay with this we'll be talking about um, we're also going to be talking about people getting in touch with us actually about gentrification and cancer care facilities in the west of Ireland Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan brought to you by Avant Money weekdays at midday on News Talk. Yeah, we were talking a few moments ago there. Um, it's this meeting, look, that's going to happen later on today and it's all about government ministers. Uh, they're going to meet up to talk about the accommodation crisis facing um, refugees and that obviously intensified over the weekend. About 40 people from Ukraine were told there were no there was no space available for them in state accommodation. And there's been a lot of political reaction to this today. Um, totally unacceptable, I think, in, in general, is kind of the view to it. And we spoke here a few moments ago on Lunchtime Live to Anastasia, Ukrainian living in Ireland, um, also the Ukrainian Action Ireland group and, and to Andrew and Cork, who was previously a host family. And they made some really interesting points about this. But there's other views as well coming into us here on the text line and we can always ask people to share your thoughts with us. They're, they're all welcome, whatever whatever your opinion is. This listener says, I've two adult children who to leave this country due to high rents and a lack of accommodation. I feel that nobody's looking out for them. I totally understand that the war is horrendous. I don't for a minute want to take away from that but I do feel that Ireland feels it has to do it all for my children I felt that nothing was done to try and keep them uh, yeah Alan has got in touch as well he says look Ireland can't maintain this level of um, of immigration into the country I think it's destroying tourism putting old untold pressure on services and finance and uh, this texter has got in touch to say I think the Gardaí the Garda vetting process is a nightmare for people who've a spare room if you're not IT focused or able you can forget about it most people with spare rooms are those who are over 60 not typically always used to doing their business online I think that we could try and scrap some of the bureaucracy around this it might make things a little bit easier just some of the views plenty more like it 53106 is the text line number Um Porrick is with us on the line today. Porrick Hennessy, he's the Vice President of the the, the All Chamber of Tourism uh, and also a pub owner as well there in Yall. Porrick, one of the suggestions that's being considered or going to be talked about today is the idea of, I suppose, a greater focus on um, holiday homes in parts of the country and obviously offering a payment then, you know, naturally paying people for the use of the holiday homes to try and address some of the um, the accommodation shortages. How many holiday homes roughly... um, are currently, we'll say, in use in your locality. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Good. Um, well, I mean, 80% of our bed nights, our hotel bed nights, are, have been given over to the Ukrainians. Um, and one of the big hotels that are close by uh, the beach in Yaw, 
has 35 holiday homes. And they all went to the Ukrainian refugees back in June of this year. So we have a total of 700 <clears throat> excuse me, refugees uh, staying in, in that, that location between the hotel and the holiday homes. Um, we do have our other holiday homes in Yale, obviously. People want to come uh, stay in Yale, walk the beach and so on and so forth. But um, I think the government are really just going to do more damage by trying to go after the small towns, villages, uh, seaside resorts in Ireland to try and take them over to put more refugees in. Do you think is that something people people are considering though at the moment, Park? I do, yeah. I mean, it's like anything. You know, the hoteliers, you can't blame the hoteliers. They're, they're getting money dangled in front of them and, and holiday homes are going to be the same way. I mean, my personal view on it is what's after the holiday homes if they keep taking refugees in that, that we can handle? They'll be going after the caravan parks. I mean, we have three very big caravan parks in Yale that, you know, the summer holidays are filled, bringing hundreds and hundreds of people to Yale. So after the holiday homes are filled, what are they going to move to next? I mean, the system, there's something wrong with the system. The system is broken. Uh, your previous caller from Cork, his accommodation is ready to go. He, he hosted a family for five, six months, and, and nobody's contacting him. The other guy had four families that contacted and no contact back. So there's something wrong with the system. You can't keep going after accommodation in seaside towns that depend on tourism. Uh, because it affects the whole community. It affects the entire area. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we've we've had a massive financial impact. And what's coming our way next year? If if they, you know, the rest of the hotel bed nights go, holiday homes go. What's left? You know, you, you're just going to destroy these towns and villages. Uh, it's not the Ukrainians' fault. We we get that, but wait, the government can't just say, okay, stop. We have to stop, fix what we need to fix. And then maybe go on from there. But there's nobody in government uh, that, that just that, that there's no hands on, you know. I suppose the, I suppose people are probably looking beyond, you know, the 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 financial impact of this um, in towns at the moment, and and focusing on the the humanitarian effort. You know, the, the fact that we've a legal obligation to provide accommodation and, and subsistence to people, and I mean, just looking at the situation, even even hearing Anatola there a few moments ago talk about the fact, like we're eight months. You know, even at this stage, maybe we didn't envisage this was the timeline, and, and obviously it's it's not going to it's not going to cease anytime soon. Um, but you feel there's other options beyond the holiday homes, the well, hotels. Is, I mean, we we have a psychiatric hospital in New York that closed uh, five six years ago. That's been maintained by the HSE that could possibly take three to four hundred uh, refugees, and they they haven't even looked at it. You know, I mean, it's. It, <laughs> It just seems to be never-ending. Why didn't they act in this during the, during the summer when there was a crisis during the summer? And now we're in the latter part of October and the Taoiseach's on TV and, and the ministers are saying, oh, we're going to have to sit down and talk. I mean, guys, you know, you're, you're running the country. Why didn't you do this four or five months ago? It's probably so. not a popular opinion, Porrick, is it? No, it's not. I mean, mm. everybody thinks, I think, uh, you know, the, the, I have a refugee, uh, sorry, I have a Ukrainian uh, fireman who worked and I had to lay him off last night because I don't have to work for him and it broke my heart because he's looking at me kind of going what am I going to do now you know it, it's it's terrible I see the, 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 the people walk the beach every day they don't want to be in Ireland they don't want to be in Yale they want to be at home in their own country but they just the government the system is wrong 
And and I think the government in their meeting this afternoon have to sit down and say, okay, guys, what are we going to do here? This has to be fixed. You know, we have to, you just can't shove it off on somebody else's problem because it's just not going to fix itself. Did you, did did I take the figure upright? Did you say 80% of the entire tourist accommodation in Yall in County Cork um, has not, is now been taken over for, for refugees. Did no, I get that right? Hotel accommodation. Uh, we obviously still have uh, guest houses and Airbnb and so on and so forth. But if you come into Yall on a Monday, Tuesday night, there's nowhere to stay. You can stay in one hotel from Wednesday to Saturday night and you're out Sunday. Um, the other two main hotels are gone. So, you know, it's a small town here. We, we've seven, seven and a half thousand population. Uh, we don't have any industry. We rely on tourism. And God help us next year. And, and that's my view on it, you know. I, I, I get the sense, Porrick, and I'm just looking at some of the texts coming in. And, and I have to say, there's, you know, the, the texts are quite split on it, like in terms of people who, who agree um, agree with your, your view on this and, and those that feel, look, we this is not a situation that anybody wants to be in. And uh, look, from the humanitarian perspective, we, we should and could be doing absolutely everything we can. But do you feel as your voice sort of lost in this discussion today or do you think will it be will it be taken account of or do you think is I anyone think so I mean we we spoke back in July I think of this year and there's been nothing done you know I mean your other previous callers had, had, had you know the idea of host families is, is I think is, is a fantastic idea it's going to help people with the inflation with the energy costs and, and, and so on and so forth and the Irish are probably the most giving people in the world and they will take him in, but your previous callers had five people who have contacted the government to take people in, and they haven't been contacted back. Mm-hmm. So the system is wrong. The system is broken. Those people who arrived in Dublin Airport who were sleeping on the floor could have been housed over the weekend by those four to five people who have called. And there's been nothing done. I would have thought that Andrew's, you know, maybe Andrew's experience was a one-off until I started to read some of the other messages during the break from people who've texted in and very, very similar situations. Um, I know it's probably not a, an easy viewpoint to share today, Porrick, but, you know, it's at the same time, I think we, we need to listen to other opinions on this. Like Anatoly himself from Ukrainian Action Ireland has said here today in the programme that like hotels and hostels aren't always the answer to this. Like he said it himself, that absolutely we should be looking at host families. Uh, we should be paying people, paying host families more to to uh, to host and to house Ukrainian refugees, and again, yeah, he talked about the the holiday home situation. But like the fact that there's people like Andrew there, ready to go, can take somebody in this afternoon or this evening, has previously had people, is Gar the vetted, and he's there waiting. He said since June nearly to hear back know, it, from it, somebody. It, it, Andrew, it, it, it's actually laughable. I mean, the Ukrainian ambassador just said it's unacceptable. Then you, you look at, um, you know, Michael Martin this morning or over the weekend had, had mentioned that he was, they were going to discuss increasing the 400 euro allowance. I mean, the money that has been spent on holiday homes, guest houses, hotels is a lot more than 400 a month. Yeah, absolutely, for so, sure. So wouldn't you be better off giving that back into society and everybody will have a couple of quid in their pocket? You know, the, <laughs> I just, I yeah. Know. Look, I, I understand. I t- t- totally understand that, and it's not. I know that's not an. It's not an op- uh, an easy opinion to share because it's not the popular opinion, and and therefore people don't want to hear it. And you're seen as being uh, nearly, you know, anti-Ukrainian refugee, and 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 that's that's not the case at all. But like, you know, you're talking about the eighty percent 
in a small tourist town or the hotel accommodation um, is already not going to be there, currently isn't there. Um, and that's obviously having an impact as well. On, that's just one particular time we're talking about. I, I know of others myself. I know of places um, in, in Donegal too. Uh, this listener says, um, lots of us are in a position to offer accommodation, but we could help somebody with the Garda vetting. We, yeah, it's the Garda vetting process again has been mentioned. It should be made easier by the government. If anybody in Limerick or West Clare wants to sit me down with them with a computer in a cafe with Wi-Fi, I'll go through the process with them as best I can. I finally figured it out. This texter says, I'm sure many people would offer their holiday homes up for the off season but you need to cover the bills the insurance at a minimum and have a timeline if they have to be inspected forget it if they're good enough for us this should be good enough for everybody else the government are paying huge amounts per person per day to hotels this texter pledged a room in March the Garda vetting's complete the house is approved the room's still empty I wonder how many more rooms that have been pledged are also sitting empty at the moment. Uh, this listener, in relation to Ukrainians coming to Ireland, do the nation not think that we perhaps have reached a quota? We have people in Ireland, you were only discussing it in the show today, who can't buy, can't rent and are actually homeless on the streets. Perhaps we have now should have a discussion about whether or not we can even have any more Ukrainian refugees in Ireland. You see, there's a really mixed bag of views on this today and I think a lot of people are feel well I can tell you from reading the text people feel you can't say this out loud keep them coming into us look 53106 is the number you can drop us an email either that's lunchtime live at newstalk.com uh, Porrick look we'll leave it there for the moment Porrick Hennessy there he's the Vice President of the Yall Chamber uh, of Tourism and Development and he's the owner of Clancy's Bar there on the Yall Strand Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.